section in the Old Testament, but we're going to be in Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 10 uh, through um, 15. Actually, we we may look at 17 and uh, 16 and 17, but probably just through verse uh, 10 through 15 and um, about building. Um, An interesting passage. Um, We want to look at tonight. And before we begin, um, we're going to cover this tonight. And I, some of you know this already, and I just want to get that out there that um, this week on Tuesday, I'll be having my right knee, uh, total knee replacement. And so I appreciate your prayers for this week. Uh, Don't be praying for a slow recovery now. (laughs) I want to be back as soon as I can. And we'll just take that easy and see how that happens. And we're not sure how that's going to go, but that's in it's it's in the Lord's hands, and so we just appreciate your prayers for that this week. Um, we're going to look at First uh, Corinthians chapter three, verses ten through fifteen tonight, um, and the title of our message tonight um, is "Building Wisely." Building wisely, um, and the theme being off of God's blueprint, uh, God's blueprint, or God's the architect of those things. Um, one thing that I think we, we know that God knows all things, we know that God is sovereign and all things are in his hand, but one thing I think we don't think about sometimes, uh, I just, as I looked at this and thought about this blueprint, I mean, building wisely in God's blueprint is this, know this, as I looked at that this week, at this passage we're looking at, I just want to know this, that God knows, we know that. Sometimes what we don't think about is God records and by, when I say God records, it means God, God doesn't have a memory like you and I. He never forgets. He always knows all things, and that is never, nothing's ever lost, um, like my keys or my wallet or my phone. Um, nothing is ever lost. God, God knows, God records, and God reveals. You know, one thing that we don't think about often enough, I don't think, is that all things will be brought to light. There's nothing that will not be brought to light. We may think it's a secret. We may think we've hidden something, but it's not hidden at all because God knows it, God records it, and God will reveal it one day. So those are good sobering thoughts as we think about tonight. Um, And the last part of that is, and I want us to know this too, and I think it's a good reminder to me this week as I looked at this, especially for as a leader and all pastors or, or leaders within the church is um, we are accountable to God alone. We are accountable to God. God knows, God records, God reveals, and you and I are accountable to God. We all will stand before God one day. Whether as believers or unbelievers, um, every knee will bow, the Bible tells us, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's no getting away from that. There's no escape from that. It's a reality that will happen, and we all are going to be there. We're just all going to be there. And so how we build and how we live, in other words, and how we live our lives, and especially how we do ministry is important. So we're going to begin, speaking of buildings, I want to begin in Genesis chapter 6. Just a little bit here, kind of get the, the thought in one key verse 
Um, just to, to, to remind us of this, from the Old Testament to the New, God has a, God has a plan and a purpose for everything. Um, we know the story uh, of Noah, and um, here it is in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God knows, God records God will reveal those things one day. The Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You know, when we read that and we think Noah was a pretty good guy, right? We read that wrong. Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord because the Lord gave him favor. Whatever he revealed to Noah and whatever relationship he had, that was from God. And Noah found favor from God. Noah wasn't more righteous than any other man on the earth, by the way, at the time. He was, a, he was born a sinner like you and me, but he received the favor of God. I just want to make that clear, that we want to read that correctly. That, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so then in verse 13, it says, Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and outside with pitch, or out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubics in its breadth, 500 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it and finish it to a cubit of the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it lower, second, and third decks. Behold, I am bringing a flood, upon the a flood of the water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. And then the important verse down in verse 22, and it says this, and this is, we read it so quickly, but oh, it's a great verse. Then Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. So he did. Isn't that a great verse? Here he had the blueprint. He could have said, you know what? I don't like the height of this. He built it exactly to God's blueprint. God gave him the dimensions. God gave him how to build it. And it says, he did according to all that God commanded. You know, it's no different for us in the New Testament that God has promises for us. God has a way for us to, to live and to what to believe in and how to uh, walk in this new life that God has brought to us. We have found favor with God. Not that we're righteous, not that we're just, but God has lavished his graceful favor upon us by revealing to us, as Paul's been talking about, the mystery of the wisdom of God in the plan of salvation that man would never have thought of. It's in the, it's in the, minds, it's in the mind of God from before eternity began. He brought this wisdom and, and insight, and it would be good if we would just do as the Lord commanded. It's just, it's good for us today, too. And so, just those thoughts and of building, and we're going to look at this just a little bit, um, and the rewards 
I want to talk about that because that's been an interesting subject to me this week as I've studied the rewards that, that come, and I think we'll be a little bit surprised at maybe at, I think, what maybe some people think, but what does Scripture say about that? And we'll try to look at that a little bit tonight. Let's read our passage tonight. First um, Corinthians chapter 3, we'll begin with verse 10 through 15. Well, we'll read through 17, but let's, we're going to mainly cover, I think, through, through 15. Um, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, this is Paul talking, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do, not, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for um, just each, each night we can gather together and just hear from you through it. Um, we thank you for each one here tonight and for the time we can spend together just learning from you. Um, just help us to do that. Help us to uh, glean from these things what you want us to know and to apply those things to our lives. And we'll give you the glory for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, our first uh, point tonight... Um, is this. Uh, Paul says in verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. Um, first of all, we see here the same thing that we just read of Noah. Noah had found favor with God. Paul had found favor with God because what? It says, according to the grace which God has given to me, this grace that God has given him, he called him out of his unbelief. He called him out of his persecution of the church on that Damascus road, and he received that grace. It looked like blindness at first. In fact, it was blindness. And it was, I'm sure it was a traumatic experience for him. But out of that experience, he came to see who Jesus was. And he received this grace of God. And so he became, a, this word master builder really is the word architect. He became an architect and wanted to continue to grow God's church and to build upon what was laid, we'll look at the foundation in a minute, but according to the grace of God which was given to Paul, he says, to me, like a wise architect, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. Let's not get confused about this foundation, because he's going to talk about what the foundation is. There is one foundation, that is Jesus, and we're going to talk about that in a second. He's not talking about his foundation He's talking about the foundation that he began to build on and lay another foundation, the beginning work of Paul in his ministry and building up the church 
on the foundation that is Christ. It wasn't a foundation that he laid to start. The foundation was there. And so he built on that foundation wisely. How did he build? Building up as an architect. Well, I wrote down a few things as how he built this grace that was given to him. And it's important how he built, and I think it's important how we built too. First of all, number one, with the right motive. He built with the right motive. This grace was from God. This grace was to honor and to glorify God in his building. And so he began with this, the right motive, the right motive in his heart. You know, I was uh, reading this week um, that God sees not only inside our hearts, but he sees inside everything, our thoughts and our, our intent, just the little things that we think are just so small and minuscule that no one will ever know, but God sees and knows those things. Know that God knows all things, even small thoughts. So motive is important to do it for the right reason and the right, and the right, uh, right outcome. His motive was what? That he didn't deserve this grace, that this grace was all from God, and he wanted his motive was to glorify God and to be pleasing to him. So he started with the right motive. He built that first brick with the right motive. The right motive. This is from God, this is for God, this is all of God's grace to me. And secondly, it was the right message. His second brick was the right message. We saw earlier in uh, this in this book in 1 Corinthians. It says, uh, Christ, uh, in verse 17 of chapter 1, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, the gospel message, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. He said, I came to preach the gospel. Here's the message. It isn't flowery. It isn't with fancy words. It isn't with bells and whistles. This is the simple gospel truth. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And he alone brings salvation. It's by God's power. That's not by anything that man does. He brought the right message. And he even talked about that later. He says in chapter 2, For I determined to know nothing amongst you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul stayed true to the gospel. And I think that's important for us today. The right message. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Don't veer off right or left from it. The right message, the right motive, the right message, the gospel, Jesus Christ plus nothing. It's all of him. That is the foundation. That is where we begin and that is where we end and we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim Jesus Christ, him crucified, buried, and risen. In fact, later in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he's going to say, these are the most important things that I delivered unto you. This is, the, this is the foundation that Christ died for your sins in accordance with the Scripture and that he was buried. And on the third day, he rose in accordance with the Scripture. What God says, not what I said. This was God's message, not Paul. He had the right motive and he had the right message. And so he delivered that. Those, that's what he was building. That's what he was building on the foundation, and he continued to work to build brick after brick. And you know what the bricks are? It says in Peter that we are all part of that building. Every convert that he preached the gospel to that believed became another part of what he was building to the glory of God. One at a time. And I want to just tell you, you know, we can have, we can have great evangelistic messages. We can have 
this place filled and standing room only, but God saves people one at a time. He deals with your heart and my heart, both in salvation and sanctification. He deals with our hearts individually, right where we live, right where you live, because you know what? He knows all, he records all, and he'll reveal all. We need to remember those things. He, he, he had the right motive. He had the right message. And you know what else he had? He had the right power. He had the right power. The Holy Spirit within, and he was dependent upon that. In fact, he said this earlier in, um, in chapter 2, verse 4. He said, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. He was delivering the message. And you know what Paul knew? And we need to remember today what I need to remember today is that I can deliver a great message, but you know, it just that's where it ends. And then the power has to take over. There were many people that heard Jesus preach. And I don't think you could get a better preacher than that. There were many people who heard him speak and walked away from that. Walked away from that. But the power of the Spirit brings people back to life. And so Paul was, he had the right motive, he had the right message, and he was dependent upon the Spirit. He said, I, I preach the gospel and I preach it unashamedly. And we will continue to do that. And we will continue to build on the power of the Spirit and not in our own efforts. Just on the power of the Spirit within, depended upon that. And he had the right approach. He had the right approach. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter um, 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, verse 8, verse 8. Ephesians 3, 8. Paul says, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given, finding favor with God, to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. You know, as I read that this week, I thought, do we, do we, do we often think of the gospel as unfathomable riches? It's, it's un, unimaginable, the riches of the gospel of God of Christ, of God to us. He preaches. He gets to preach the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is in the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So the manifold wisdom of God might be might now be made known to the church, to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness here it is, in whom we have boldness and, and confident access through what? Through faith in him. He had the right approach. He was trusting God all the way. This was unfathomable riches that he got to preach the gospel, and he was trusting Christ. And he says we get to, in boldness and confident access through faith in him, through faith alone, the right approach, just faithful to God. And I want to encourage you tonight. I was encouraged with that this week. That despite the struggles, despite what happens in our world today, faithfulness to God. You know, we don't need results. God's more concerned with the quality of our service rather than the quantity. Okay? 
the quality is more important to God than the quantity. Those missionaries who have served on the mission field for years with little results, little fruit. But you know what? They're precious in the sight of the Lord because their faith has been, these steps have been built, this building that they're building, this, this that they're building wisely, are doing faithfully. Don't need results. We just know that we want to be faithful to our Lord and Savior who I have found favor with and he has saved me and I want other people to hear the gospel and I want it to be dependent upon him. The results can come or not, but I'll be faithful. Paul was that way. Paul was faithful to the message, faithful to his Lord and Savior, faithful to God in all circumstances. He got up when he was beaten and preached. When he was swimming to shore and he finally got on beach, you know what he did? He preached. He just preached the word, and he counted on God's power, and he was faithful to it all. He was building with the right motive, the right message, the right power, and the right approach. And Paul laid a foundation that was Christ crucified, risen, and salvation is founded in no other person. There's no other way. And he taught these things, and he taught the doctrine of God. And he laid, it says in verse uh, 10, he says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and now another is building on it. And you know what? Paul wasn't, Paul wasn't jealous because some, some of the things here that he's dealing with is there's, there's disunity, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Paul, and I'm of Christ, and, oh, we're, just, we're all going in different directions, but eventually maybe we'll get together. But they were fighting over some things. Who was who, and who was... Who was what? You know, I got thinking about that this week. And I thought, you know, the disciples who walked with Jesus, they did the same thing, kind of. Jesus, let me sit at your right hand. Grant that to me. And my brother here at your left. In fact, I think they asked their mom to ask Jesus about that. And there were others that said, who, Jesus, one day they were walking with Jesus. I mean, all these things that Jesus had done, caring for people and healing people and, and preaching the kingdom of God, and they're worried about what? Who's going to be the greatest when we get there? Can you tell us that pecking order? Paul wasn't concerned with who was, who was getting the credit or who was doing that. He was just concerned with that the gospel would be preached. That someone was building on the foundation and the bricks that he laid on the foundation, which was Christ. He wasn't jealous over somebody else. He was just happy that the gospel was going out and somebody else was beginning to build on what he had already laid as a foundation on Christ. That's what he was concerned about. That's building wisely. That's building up with the right motive, message, power, approach. And Paul laid a foundation on those things and was glad when someone else was building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. So each of us, you and I, doesn't have to be, we don't have to be a great master builder. It can be small things. But God counts faithfulness. Remember, we just already said that. Quality, not quantity. Quality, not quantity. Build with the right motive in our hearts. Have the right message on our lips. Be dependent on the Holy Spirit for the power that we need. And he goes on to say in verse 11, and here's the true foundation. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Let's turn back to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And we'll begin with verse 
well, let's just go back a little bit farther than what I had planned on. Uh, then in verse 8 of Acts chapter 4, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to, the, to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to you, to all of you, and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by his name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone, speaking of Jesus, he is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And so here in, in, in our passage in verse 11, it says, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. It just, we just read that in Acts. There is no other foundation. All other foundations will not last, will fade away, will fall apart, will sink. Whatever the vernacular you want to use is, they will not last. Jesus Christ is the firm foundation and he is not only the firm foundation for you and I today, but he was the firm foundation there in the beginning of the church in Acts. He was the firm foundation before the beginning of time. He is the firm foundation eternal. And so he says, Paul says, no man can build on any foundation. There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. One foundation, um, Jesus, sinless. You know, I got to talk to some kids this week up at the Y in Angola, um, three different days. And I, I make it a point to know to, that they go away from there knowing who Jesus is, that he is God the Son, that he came from heaven to earth, and he walked a life on this earth like you and I, in a body like us. He got tired. He got thirsty. He got hungry. He, he walked in a body like you and me. The one great difference, though, he never sinned. He is the perfect, sinless God-man, the incarnation. I didn't talk about the incarnation to these kids, but I wanted them to know that Jesus is separate and holy and good, and he came to save you and I. And how did he do that? He was willing to die for you and I. You know, the YMCA out there didn't want us to scare kids, didn't want us to preach about sin, didn't want us to scare them about blood, well, the truth is, sin's ugly, and it took a terrible payment for you and I to be saved. And if we need to talk about a man dying, God in the flesh dying, then we'll talk about that. And we'll explain it to them, not trying to scare anybody, but this is just the truth. And we will not veer from the gospel. We will, we will share it boldly and gladly and joyously with the, right, with the right motive and the right message and, and dependent upon the power of God to, to touch lives, even little lives. And we'll just share that. And, and if they're upset, they can be upset because they're not really upset with me. They're upset with God because it's God's the foundation and God's what we preach and the salvation we preach is Christ crucified, buried and risen. End of story. That's the foundation. There's no other foundation. There's no other message by which a man can be saved. And we want to see lives saved. I think Paul had that same tenacious mindset that I'm not going to veer off of this and that, come what may, beat me, whatever comes. 
I'm going to preach the gospel, and I'm going to depend upon God and to use me, and I'm going to build on the foundation that is Christ. There is no other place to build but here on Christ, Christ and his work on the cross and the Holy Spirit indwelling me and helping me to preach that gospel, and may God receive all the praises. May he receive all the praises. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man, in verse 12, we're going to talk about this building material. Now, if any man builds on the foundation, which is gold, silver, precious stone. You know, he, he mentions the three valuable things first, gold and silver and precious stones, those things that last, those things that don't perish. And that's the type of idea he wants to have. Those things that don't last, I mean, that don't last are wood and hay and straw. Why don't they last? Because all these things will be uh, made evident by God's fire. And it says in the next verse, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it will be revealed with fire. Fire is the, uh, the idea in the Bible is either uh, punishment or judgment or testing. And here it's talking, about, it's talking about testing of the works of men that they brought before the Lord or, or done these things and tried to build with this material. Maybe some's using wood, hay, and straw. Those type of things, you know what they are? They're the wrong motive. They're the motive that says, I'm going to preach the gospel and I hope somebody notices how good I am at it. You know what that is? That's straw and wood and hay. That'll be burned up in an instant in the when they're revealing. And those that, those that like the Apostle Paul and like us, some today who preach the gospel just because they love the Lord and they want people to be saved and they want people to hear the gospel and they do that despite what comes, those things are gold and silver and precious stones done with the right motive, preaching the right message, not veering off of those things. And many things will be, we think are are good and right and silver and gold and precious stones. And I just, you know, I wanted to say this. Each of us, pastors, any, anyone, each of us has to check our own heart. Why do you do what you do? What, what are you really looking for? And you know what? The Bible tells us our heart is deceitfully wicked. And we can try to present something, and back in the little corner, in the back of my brain, it says, you're going to get something out of this if you do it this way. It happens. And you just have to throw that thought out. We were talking about that in our men's uh, meeting tonight. Take every thought captive. Watch yourself. Watch your heart. Be careful. And I think the remedy to that is to be here, be in the Word, and read the Word, and, and to spend time with God, and ask Him to reveal those things. If I, if, I think David prayed that. If there be any wicked way in me, reveal that to me. If there be any wrong motive in me, reveal that to me. If there be any wood, straw, or hay that I'm building with, let me throw that out to the cows. And I'm going to start building with precious stones and gold and silver, it says, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it. And that word day is that day of judgment, that day when we come and God reveals those things. The day will show it. The day is coming when there'll be no time left to do work, when there'll, when there'll be no opportunity either 
to do anymore. We'll just stand on what's already been done. So be careful. We sing it with the kids. Oh, be careful, little children. How you walk, how you talk, what you see, what you hear. Be careful with those things. It will be revealed in the day. Each man's work will be revealed. Uh, they will show it because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test, here it is, the quality of each man's work. We may have a lot of quantity. We may bring a whole wagon load. And we may be left with a thimble. Just be careful how we bring things and how we work and how we build. Just check your heart. Check, just check your heart. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is this really for me or is this for God? Just, it's an important thing that we self-examine. You know, we can, come, we can come to the communion table. We can come for the wrong reason and just, you know, this, I want somebody to see me take communion today. No, no, I want to take communion because I want to remember what favor I found with the Lord and why that was able to take place because Jesus' body was broken for me and his blood was shed on the cross for me. That's the right motive, coming to take communion. So be careful how you build. Be careful of our motives for the quality of each man's work, of what kind. That word quality means of what kind it is, of what kind it is made of, will be revealed. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. Um, and if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. You know, this is, a, this is a hard couple of verses. Because we're not talking about loss of salvation. If we're once saved, we're always saved. And if you are truly saved, you are saved for eternity. So we're not talking about loss of salvation. We're talking about loss of rewards. And what are those rewards? I did, I've been so curious about this this week to get to this passage because I, I've run into some guys, one particular I can think of, who fixates on the rewards. And so much so he's building a robe for the kingdom and he's doing all of these things and he's going to be at the top of the rung. And yeah, just rewards, rewards, rewards. I couldn't read anywhere where anybody was able to tell me, any commentator was to tell me, what are the rewards? But what are we working for? What are you working for? And what's the losses? I think one of the losses would be just, there can't be any loss of salvation. I think the bottom line is, like good old Ezekiel with the dry bones. And God said, Ezekiel, can these dry bones live and breathe and walk again? And he had a smart answer. You know what he said? You know, God, I don't. You know, Lord, you know. A lot of times we just have to take these things and know that the Lord will do what's right. And the Lord always does what's right. Because he is God almighty and holy and right and perfect. And there is nothing that's unjust, no shadow of shifting shadow. Nothing is, is wrong that he does. Not his wrath, not his love, not his forgiveness. Nothing he does is wrong. So what will that loss be? I think it will be regret a little bit. We don't know for sure. But I wanted to think about the rewards because I was curious about that. You know, many times in the Bible, it talks about rewards for believers as crowns. And the rewards are for pure motives, holy conduct, selfless service. And it says in 1 Corinthians 9.25 that these rewards are imperishable. 
unfading. Pure motive, holy conduct, living a life of holiness. The Bible tells us, be holy for I am holy. To live a holy life. We're not going to do it perfectly, but we're to be living and growing in our holiness, our sanctification and self-service. But these crowns, I want to look at those. We're going to look at four of them. Four crowns that we'll receive. First one's in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So we'll turn there. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I think we'll be a little surprised at, at, at maybe what these crowns are and um, what the Lord has in store for us. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let me get there. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 7 and 8. Paul says here, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What does it say? What's the reward? The crown of righteousness. You know, you look at that, where does that righteousness come from? It's God's righteousness. For when we believe and trust in the Lord Jesus as our Savior, that righteousness that we receive is not our own, it's the righteousness of Christ. And I think one day that crown, that crown of righteousness will be awarded to us. You know, we will begin to live our position. Righteous. Because you know what will be out of the way? Sin. Sin will be out of the way. We'll realize what true righteousness is. We'll realize the righteousness of Christ that has been given to us, and we will receive that crown of of righteousness with no sin in the way. We will understand what true holiness is. It's God, and we will see him face to face, and that righteousness, that crown of righteousness we receive will be, I think, just a clear understanding that Come on in, thou good and faithful servant. Here's your crown of righteousness. And sin is gone, and we'll receive that. Crown of righteousness. That's one. Second one. First Thessalonians. Um, Let's turn back just a little bit. First Thessalonians. And that we're going to look at verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. 19 and 20. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says um, in verses 19 and 20, chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation or glory? Who is our joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Remember it says, in, we just read, all those who love his appearing... And those that uh, he has led to the Lord, who is our hope and our joy and our crown of exaltation, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. You know what? That crown of exaltation, one day we will be exalted to our final position in heaven with God. And we will not be alone. And those... Those that we have led to the Lord or those that we have been a part of that ministry, that that crown of exaltation or glory 
God will show us how the pieces all fit together. And people that we didn't even know, maybe kids that I have presented the gospel to or somebody that you have presented the gospel to and someone else built on top of that foundation that you laid, God will show us how those pieces fit together to the glory of him and together we'll praise God in exaltation. That crown we'll get of understanding of, of how God worked those things all together. First Peter chapter 5. I'm running out of time quickly here. First Peter chapter 5. First, we'll just read the one verse. Um, verse 4. I'm sorry, I said 5, but it's verse 4. 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, that's Christ, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Glory. What is the glory of God? Well, we know from the Old Testament the glory of God was the Shekinah glory, the, uh, where God's presence was. The Shekinah glory, we came down into the tent of the tabernacle. The Shekinah glory was there over the mercy seat. The glory of God. And no man dare approach that in the Old Testament. And even in the, into the New Testament with the Holy of Holies, the high priest couldn't go in there unless, unless he would die if he went in there. This glory of the presence of God. It says one day we will, rec we will receive the unfading crown of glory. We will not only see it but in being his presence, but we will participate in the glory of God. And we will receive the crown, of, the crown of just being in God's presence in his glory and participating with that. I think it's a little bit like you think back to the Old Testament when Moses would go in and speak with God face to face. And what was he like when he came out of the tent? His face shone. You know what his face shone? It wasn't that he was in there with uranium. It wasn't that he was in there with something radioactive. He didn't turn into the Hulk. He came out because he was in the presence of the glory of God, and it affected his skin. He just absorbed the glory of God. I think one day we'll receive a full dose of the glory of God. It's going to be a crown on our heads, and we'll not only see it, but we'll be made like him, glorious and wonderful, that crown of righteousness, that crown of exaltation, that crown of glory. And last one, James 1.12. Um, James 1.12. And I'll read that quickly. James 1.12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. We were just talking about that today in our meeting. There's hard days ahead. There are trials all the time. There are struggles all the time. But the Lord is greater than those things. He's overcome the world. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Do you notice it said twice, those who love his appearing and those who love him. And here we get the crown of life. One day we will realize this crown of life. You know what it is, I think? I thought about that this week. When we get there in heaven Day one, we'll realize this is never going to end. That crown of life is life eternal. God has promised it. We haven't realized it. We're living it already. But one day we'll be free of this body. One day we'll be free to see his glory and participate in it. 
One day we'll see all the saints and we'll exalt the Lord together and be exalted with one another. One day we'll realize the holiness that God is and the righteousness that he's given to us. And one day we'll realize this is the first day of forever. Life eternal. What are the rewards? There's some great ones there. There's some great rewards in crowns. And you know what we're going to do with those crowns when we get them? We're going to throw them back at Jesus' feet and say, thank you for having favor upon me when I didn't deserve it. That's the, that's the, that's the rewards. You know, the fullness of the believers are based on the promises of God to us. The fullness of the rewards of God are based on the promises that he will not fail, that he will bring those things about, the promised rewards. You know what the greatest reward is? I haven't even mentioned it yet. You and I get to see Jesus. We'll be in his presence. Since we look, love is, and long for his coming, we love to be, in his, to be with him, to see him one day. What greater reward than there is to just be with him, to be there in his presence. And I'm so excited, I don't know where I am here. Here we are. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. So build wisely. Build with the right, with the right motive, the right message, the right power, the right approach, and built upon the right foundation. Build, build on that. Anything else just gets burned up. And we'll just suffer loss. And I think that suffer loss is just that we have disappointed Christ. We'll be saved. But, you know, I could have built better. I don't know what that's going to look like. God knows those things. God knows those things. Um, and lastly, the inspection's coming. Um, second, we're not going to turn there. Well, I'll turn there just real quickly. Quickly, Second Corinthians chapter um, 5, just three verses. 5-9. Uh, Five, nine. And it says, therefore, we also has, have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be what? To be pleasing to him. To be pleasing to him. Paul wanted that. We should, we should want that as believers, to be pleasing to our God who has saved us, who has brought this salvation. Verse 14 of the same chapter. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, and therefore all died. The love of Christ, it says in Romans chapter 5, has been poured into our hearts. And that love should control us. Love for God and love for others. It should control our thinking. It should control our motives. It should control our lives. He says the love of God controls us. In our ministry, in our walk with him, the love of Christ controls us. We love him and we love others and we want to share the gospel unashamedly. God's love for us and in us controls us. And lastly, verse 15, there it says, And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. That, that last one is that God paid it all and paid all for you and I to bring us to himself, and that foundation will not fail. It will not fail. So let us build upon that. Let's build with Gold and silver and precious jewels and not hay and stubble and straw that will be burned up. Let us, let us, bring, let us bring with the right motives a basket full to heaven and say, here, test it 
and pray that most of that remains because we just have to always watch for those things. Uh, what a great passage uh, and encouragement it has been for me this week. I hope it's been for you. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time together. Uh, thank you for your word tonight and for the blessing of just fellowship around it. Uh, thank you for your salvation in Christ alone. We've looked at that tonight. For the foundation that you've laid for us to build upon. Let us build wisely. Let us build with good material and not, not poor material. Let us, let us build with precious things that are pleasing to you, that are honoring to you. And Lord, let us, let us never tire of longing to see you and longing to be in your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.